Section 138. I'm your host, Mark Hawley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? I'm doing good. How are you? Not bad. How are you, Jacob? I'm doing all right. I'm not doing so well after yesterday's game. As we're recording this on Saturday, the Blue Jays lost 18-1. to By far the worst game of the season. I think we can say that. And to add to the pain right after, the Raptors lost as well. So not a great night for Toronto sports, not a great night for the Blue Jays, but besides that, they're still plugging along, doing fairly well. They've maintained their spot in the um, the, the postseason rankings. The Yankees um, played them this week. They did pretty well against the Yankees, took two of three from them, um, including an amazing game, a 12-7 to game that they came back, scored 10 runs in one inning. So this team still plugging along despite the loss yesterday, and they've got some reinforcements coming. Um, Ken Giles activated off the injured list. Um, Bo Bichette, we've heard, is going to be activated before tonight's game against the Mets. So that's really good news. Some more injuries stacking out to Oscar Hernandez, of course, Roddy Telez, although we've heard that um, Brody, or excuse me, Teoscar Hernandez's injury isn't as bad as it was originally made out to be. So, um, some good news for the Blue Jays this week, despite, um, some of their losses like yesterday night's loss. Um, they also brought up Alejandro Kirk, um, the big catcher for the Blue Jays, lots of hopes riding on him. So, a big week for the Blue Jays, lots of things changed, but largely their performance on the field stayed the same. Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting week. I mean, thankfully, they did end up with a three and two record against uh, the re- the one game on the against the Red Sox, and then the, the three against the Yankees, and then the one against the Mets. So I mean, overall, it was a, a decent week. But I mean, I I don't know. I'm happy with the way the offense was working, even with all of the injuries. But I'm gonna be honest. I look through the scores from last Sunday, which was the 10-8 game against the Red Sox, and then up until the beginning, or the game against the Mets, and they've only allowed less than seven runs once throughout that entire week, and that was the 2-1 to game against the Yankees, and literally every other game was ridiculously high scoring for the opposing team with the eight runs allowed against the Red Sox, seven runs against the Yankees actually twice, and then obviously the awful 18 runs against the Mets and it's just I don't, I, I don't want to say that I'm you know pulling the panic button yet but this time through the rotation was really bad and I'm a little bit concerned uh, obviously we saw with Robbie Ray he only went four innings or four earned runs against uh, the Red Sox Ryu allowed five against the Yankees uh, it's just I don't know it's it was a pretty tough week in terms of pitching offense in terms of starting pitching I should say the bullpen I mean it was decent I mean it's kind of what we'd expect it to be even though it's been so overworked and overused but it's just I think what we saw was a little bit of our worst nightmare as Blue Jays fans whereas you know you rely on the starting pitching so much you bring in guys that are going to help and then when they don't work and they struggle it's just 
it doesn't look good. And I mean, obviously the Blue Jays did win most of their games. So, you know, if you want to say that, or if you want to take that as a victory in itself, then, you know, that's fine. But it's, it's, it definitely was concerning. And especially with Tanner Rourke, I think that was a big issue that we saw where he was only at 68 pitches when he was pulled. And he was very, very angry about that. And I do understand why he was angry, but the starting pitching has not been, at least he has not been very good this year. Uh, other aspects of the rotation have also been bad the last little bit. So, I mean, I kind of understand why Charlie Montoya is a little bit uh, hesitant to keep guys in for as long as he can, but it's just, I'm a little little bit concerned about with the way they played because, like I said, they only allowed less than seven runs once, and you can't do that. You can't rely on you know, scoring 10, 12 runs a game because, you know, maybe against the bad teams, that's possible against the Red Sox. Sure. But I mean, the Yankees, they're a play, they were a playoff team coming into that series. Now the Blue Jays have obviously taken over their spot in the playoff or in the second or second place in the East, but it's just scoring, uh, relying on you scoring that many runs is just not sustainable, especially with all the injuries they've had, although they are expected to get some guys back in the near future so I mean that's a good thing but it's just it definitely was a bit of a concerning week for me in terms of the the behind the scenes stuff yeah they were winning and yes they did do well against the Yankees in terms of taking that series but it's just it was one where if I were to look at that team and predict how well they would do in the playoffs I would you know I don't think I could predict them doing very well because the good teams will destroy them if this is the way they're playing. Yeah, I don't want to hit the panic button as much as I know you didn't, Jacob, but you know, I think it's a little over excessive personally. Um, yeah, it wasn't exactly the best week for them. Uh, last night was definitely something that, you know, you just, there really, there really wasn't much to say. We see this a few times a year. And for the Jays, they're coming off, you know, one of their first off days, I think, in over a month. So clearly the off, they didn't do good for them, but it's just, I would just burn the tape, move on. Um, it, and fun fact too, I didn't, yesterday, it was actually, I found it really interesting because I never knew that was the first time Jacob deGrom pitched against the Jays. I, for some reason, I thought he has before, but anyways, um, definitely, I don't know. It's, it was, it was 18-01. There's really not much to say, but lots of things going on this week, like you said, and the injuries continue to haunt the team. Uh, the bullpen's running on fumes, and that's an understatement. Um, I think, you know, even last night, Anthony Kay uh, really struggled in his appearance out of the bullpen, and he's been one of the bright spots of the bullpen this year. Uh, he gave up a grand slam, and he was just, uh, he wasn't himself. And I think the team yesterday, maybe it was just the off day. And uh, the Teoscar Hernandez injury, first of all, that kind of started the week, and that pretty much came out of nowhere. Um, you know, we just pretty much awoke to the news the next morning that he was you know, the initial reports were assuming that he'd be out for the year. And it turns out it's not as bad as everyone first reported, which thank God, because the team needs him. He's been the most consistent hitter. Uh, I've said that since the first week of the season, and it's he's continued to do that. He's having pretty much the best season of, of his career, career statistically in the MLB at the major league level. Um, and, you know, yeah, going throughout the week, the Jays did win 10-8. And the one thing about them is, you know, they have heavily depended on home runs. They've been scoring a lot of runs uh, this week. And, um, you know, going back to the start of the year, too, this was something that they kind of started slow on. So, you know, them scoring 10 runs now, it kind of it's actually kind of expected. 
And uh, Rowdy Telez led the way in one of the games when they beat the Red Sox 10-8. to And then they also beat the Yankees 12-7. to That was another game that pretty much went, or it was another crazy game where the Jays were down 6-2 or something like that. And they had a massive sixth inning uh, where they scored 10 straight, 10 runs, which led to the uh, the 12-7 final score. And then, um, you know, I know Wilmer Font hasn't been exactly the best pitcher, but he still has a role within the bullpen and he's been shut down. So another reason how the bullpen's running on fumes. Um, and then, you know, the Jays did win two out of three against the Yankees. So there's, that's why I don't want to even consider hitting the panic button. Cause I think the one thing that we really forgot was as much as there was off field distractions with injuries and then the Tanner Roark, um, fiasco where he pretty much called out, I, it wasn't really calling out Charlie Montoya. I think he was more him calling out modern baseball. Uh, he pretty much just said that, you know, he compared himself to a diesel truck where he gets, he takes forever to get started and, um, he just doesn't like the idea. And I know we've we've seen it a lot this year. Buck Martinez in particular on Sportsnet, who continues to say, you know, sometimes you need to see it with your eyes rather than trusting the computer all the time. So we, we know the whole thing with that, with Tanner Roark in terms of him wanting to, um, continue to pitch, uh, sorry, continue to pitch, you know, deeper into games. And, um, unfortunately that's just the way modern baseball has gone. Here's, here's some stats for you here. In 2016, it was the last time that he threw over 200 innings. That season, he threw 210 innings. The next season in 2017, 180, 81 innings. 2018, 180. Last year, 165. So that's a pretty big drop off for um, for Tanner Roark. And those, let me make it clear too. For those three seasons I just mentioned, he was not injured. He was healthy. Uh, he made pretty much at least 30 starts in each year. Some were 31. Some were 33. So this is something that Rorick's been dealing with for the past couple years, and it's just modern day baseball. You know, we have—I don't think we've seen a Blue Jays pitcher go past the sixth inning. I might be wrong. There may have been one time, but I believe six is the farthest they've gone. I don't know if you can uh, correct me on that or not, Mark. I just—I don't know if I've seen a pitcher on this team go past six innings, and it's just something that we're all used to. We're not really complaining about it. There's been a few times where we've seen—you know—maybe we've said, "Why take him out now?" But we're just used to it, and it's just modern day baseball. But it was just the off-field antics, I think, that kind of carried it away. But it wasn't too bad. We know the injuries, and of course, Rowdy Tellez, another one who went down, and we don't know if he's going to be back. It doesn't look good. He's on crutches. He's wearing pretty much a, almost a brace, so that does not look good in terms of him coming back for potentially the playoffs. But just remember, too, they just took the 2 out of 3 against the Yankees. They are still in second place in the American League East. There's no reason to complain about this team right now. Uh, I wouldn't even, for, for anyone to even bring a panic button in a sentence is completely out of this world and astronomical. Uh, 18-1 yesterday, yes, again, we've seen this before. It happens to all the teams. Take a look at what happened a few days ago with the Marlins when they lost, or when Atlanta scored almost 30 runs against them. It happens. The Marlins are a competitive team this year, so they're not bad. And it's just move on to the next game, and they, they can still take two out of, th- two out of uh, three this weekend. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm still happy with what I've been seeing. And it was a one-off. And, of course, Ken Giles is back. Um, he was back yesterday. Didn't go too well, too, in his return. But let him ease his way back into play. And Bo Bichette is potentially or expected to be back tonight. So uh, all signs point to hopefully a better injury status for this team. But, of course, they also did lose two of their uh, or two of their best hitters this week in Rowdy Tellez and Teoscar Hernandez. I just want to bring one thing up quickly because you mentioned Anthony Kay and... After last night's game, I thought about I looked through the uh, the box score and looked at all the stats of the pitchers and 
going into the game against the Mets, he had a 2.45 ERA, which, uh, and I believe it was 13 innings or whatever it was, but he, he's been great. And then after last night's game, pitching two thirds of an inning with five earned runs, his ERA went all the way up to 4.74. So I mean, it's just, it's 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 inter- it's really crazy to see, you know, how crazy of a jump, you know, you can go from just, you know, having a great season to, you know, just one slip up and your entire ERA is messed up. I mean, I'm, I still trust him. I'm, I'm not saying that I don't trust him anymore, but it's just, it's, it's, I just found it really interesting because I thought about it. I was like, how are these pitchers ERA is going to get yeah. impacted? And it's just, it was crazy and, what yeah. happened. Before you, before you add on Mark. Yeah. That's just, I mean, just get, get used to it this year, right? 20, 60 game season. Um, numbers are going to skyrocket. Numbers are going to pretty much collapse. And Anthony Kay as well as a reliever, it's not like he's pitching a lot of innings this year, especially coming out of the bullpen. So that's just unfortunately part of it. But um, you know, obviously those numbers don't reflect of an overall season he had. Those are that's a situation where the numbers don't really truly re- reflect his performance. He had one bad uh, appearance, but it was just pretty much one appearance out of everyone. Nobody was good last night. So you you know, I don't want to name drop him. It's just the first name to come to my mind, maybe too, because he was playing the Mets, his old team. But um, you know, every, everyone was bad last night on uh, Friday. So. It's just move on and burn the tape onto the next game. Yeah, exactly. I I don't think we should be reading too much into this. Of course, looking at the final score, it's going to be really disappointing, and watching the game is going to be really disappointing. But bottom line, like the Blue Jays have lost two in a row. Like it, it's not that big a deal. They did that earlier in the season. Of course, they weren't as good earlier in the season, but. It's only two games. I mean, every team, even the best teams, you look at the Yankees, who, according to some websites, still have a better shot of making the postseason than the Blue Jays, and certainly a better chance of winning the World Series than the Blue Jays. They lost two in a row to the Blue Jays, and they, what, it was 12 out of 17 games that they lost or something like that? They were horrible, and yet they're still positioned well. Of course, they started off the season very well, so it's a different conversation with them, but I mean, this happens. It's it's far too early to hit the panic button. I know 18 to 1 can be hard on the eyes to look at, but bottom line, like, it's just one game. It's just, in this case, two games for the Blue Jays that they've lost. So, yeah, it's it's too early to talk about, you know, is the Blue Jays season over? Are they going to fall to a postseason spot? Um, this was a game that I think they were expected to lose anyways. You know, you mentioned Bryson going against Jacob deGrom. Like, he is one of, if not the best pitcher in the majors right now. He is the lowest ERA heading into yesterday's game against the Blue Jays in the majors. He's won the NL Cy Young Award two years in a row and looks like he's shaping up to win it a third year in the in a row this year, which is totally insane. I mean, it this game was a game that the Blue Jays were expected to lose, and they lost. I mean, they lost by more than we thought they would, but they lost. So, yeah, it's... Too early to hit the panic button, in my opinion. In terms of hitting the panic button, I know we mentioned this briefly last week. Um, the Blue Jays are almost guaranteed to make the postseason at this point, but it's become a question of how deep they're going to make it into the postseason rather than if. You know, it's a question of how far. It's no longer a question of when or if. So knowing that, um, I think we should talk about, you know, whether the Blue Jays are going to make it past, you know, the first round, the second round, um, into, uh, deep into the postseason. Of course, postseason picture looking a little bit different this year. Um, uh, but what do you guys think? How do you, th- how, how far do you think the Blue Jays are going to make it into the postseason? 
Well, the one thing I want to say, and I, you know, I know it's, I don't want to sound like a homer, but the truth is, and there's facts and stats behind it is the Jays have pretty much, other than, other than last night, let's forget about last night. They have been in pretty much almost every game uh, down to the wire. That's the one thing about this team uh, that can probably give you a heart attack at points. And sometimes it can give you, you know, reassurance that this is a competitive baseball team. And I, you know, it's first of all the sixty game season to begin with is a little bit unpredictable. Uh, Mark and I were first of all against the idea of them making the playoffs. I think we were also, you know, not expecting a team like the Marlins to be in contention, but they are, and they kind of bought at the deadline, which is even more strange. But you know, the Jays, you know, you can't rule it out. But the the one thing I'm starting to think about now, and of course, Mark, this is the topic, is that you know they're they. You know, they're likely going to get in now, but how far would they go? And that's the part where I just, you know, that's another part where I just don't seem too confident about it. Um, I don't even know who their lineup to play now. Who Do you know who the team is they're supposed to be playing right now? I think it's the Twins as of right okay, now. Okay, so, they're, yeah, that that's a problem. Um, the Twins the twins are a good team. Uh, and, you know, the other thing, too, it, it, which is going to be weird for these playoffs, is these teams or some of these teams, or most of these teams, haven't played each other all season because of the uh, the schedule. So that's going to be another thing to factor in is, you know, if it, the Jays are playing a team like the Twins or a team from another division, it, like from the Central or the West, uh, because it's pretty much all different of how the expanded playoffs work. It's going to be weird because there's been no, um, you know, there's been no stats or anything from the teams this season. The only teams that the Jays are familiar with are the East teams in both the American League and the National League. So that that'll be something interesting, but... You know, I don't want to. I know I wasn't really confident about them making the playoffs at this point, and I don't really know how confident I would be of them getting by a team like Minnesota because Minnesota has been pretty good uh, this season. They have a lot of um, they have a lot of weapons on that team, and they're they're you know frankly a, a scary team. So that's the one thing I want to say. And the other problem is too is you know you, you have to imagine eventually that the Jays are going to start to feel the injury bug a little bit. Like it's going to catch up to them eventually. They've been lucky this so far where they haven't um, really, you know, they haven't really experienced it yet. They've still been winning games without Bo Bichette, without Teoscar Hernandez and Rowdy Teles so far. But, you know, in, in a game like the playoffs, um, it, it's going to come back to bite you. And it, it really will. The bullpen's on fumes. It's And I just, I don't know how confident I am. I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm just, I'm not expecting them to go far, unfortunately. And the other thing, too, is um, the one thing, I guess, that can help the Jays is that, and I think people were talking about this as well, is the fact that they're in close games pretty much every game, other than last night again, um, maybe it gives them a little bit of a taste of a postseason atmosphere. Maybe it does. And then the other thing, too, is, of course, there's no fans. It's a completely different postseason atmosphere anyway. And I don't know if you guys saw this, or I don't know if we wanted to really talk about it a little bit, but it, it looks like the MLB will be following or taking a page out of the book for the NBA and the NHL. They they announced yesterday a, like, um, a tentative deal for Hub Cities or a, pretty much a bubble for the playoffs, which is smart because, of course, we've seen times this year where a player's tested positive and pretty much the whole week for the team has been shut down and you can't have that in the playoffs, obviously. So as it stands now, the wild card for the wild card round, because it's a wild card round now for the expanded playoffs, the game will be played in the home parks for the number one to four seeds. And that will be all four games. That's a little confusing, so sorry if you don't understand that. But now here's where it gets a little bit more straightforward. The NLDS will be at Globe Life Field and Minute Maid Park. The ALDS will be Petco Park and Dodger Stadium. The NLCS will be Globe Life Field. The ALCS will be Petco Park. 
and then the World Series will be played at Globe Life Field in Texas. So a little bit strange how I guess they're both in National League cities, but once again, it's just going to be a completely different playoff atmosphere, playoff feeling. Nothing's going to be like nothing's going to feel normal about it. But if I had to assume the Jays were going to get in, which they likely will, I just I don't see them getting by a team like Minnesota. Um, I I just they the Minnesota Twins really scare me. They're really like you know we're getting to the point now where we're starting to scoreboard watch other teams across the Central and the West. I think that's not how it started. Pretty much how it started was we were just focused on the East. But now, you, of course, you're going to have to try and consider looking at these other teams. Of course, the Cleveland baseball team's in contention. Uh, the Chicago White Sox are currently first by a game in the Central. So the Central's a pretty uh, stacked division. And I think the ALOS is almost wrapped up with the Athletics about to win the division. The Astros are the next team who are seven back. So, you know, they're probably going to get in as well, even though they're below 500, which is obviously interesting because you've never seen that in the game of baseball where you see a team that's below 500 get in just because of how short or the, the list of teams are. But I don't expect the Jays to go too far. Uh, Jacob, I know you were optimistic about them making the playoffs to begin with. Can you try and convince us otherwise that they would go far in the playoffs or do you feel the same way as us or the same way as me? Yeah, I th- they're definitely going to make the playoffs. I don't think that, I mean there's still technically a chance that they could miss out, but I think that's very slim. Uh, in terms of moving on past the first round, I don't think that's likely. I mean, the Twins statistically are a better matchup for the Blue Jays compared to when they were 8th in the East again, or in the American League scheduled to play against the Rays, who are, were 1st f- in the American League at that time. Still, I don't really think that they're going to go any further than the first round. I mean... Like you said, they have been in every game, so I think, you know, pushing it to three games or, you know, maybe winning the the required games could happen, but I mean, I don't think it's very likely. The only thing that is a little bit interesting is the way the Blue Jays' pitching is set up, and I mean, obviously they have Ryu, who is their ace. Uh, Nate Pearson, when he comes back, is going to go in the bullpen. They have already, they have a very good bullpen, obviously, with Ken Giles back now, so obviously and all Taiwan Walker so I mean they have guys that I think would help them win a three-game series you know they it's not like they need to be as deep uh in their roster as they would for a five or even a seven game series so I mean if you want to say Ryu starts game one uh Taiwan Walker starts game two and if you want you could I I don't think bullpen games are very likely but if you could you know be creative with how you set up your pitchers but I I don't know. I don't think they're really going to win more than three games this year in the playoffs. Uh, it would be nice to see that, but it's it's probably not likely. Uh, it's just the, you, they've been in every game, but there have been so many mistakes and, you know, managerial and issues and errors and sloppy play that I just... Next year, I think they could they could move on, and I think they will. It's probably very likely, but this year, I think it's just going to be, hey, you made it to the playoffs. Here's what it's like. Okay, you guys got uh, you're eliminated, but you got some experience, and now you know what it's like. So you, they can kind of hopefully take that and run with it next year. I thought this would be a more um, polarizing topic, but I guess <laughs> we're all on the same page. Yeah, I don't really see them getting deep at all. I don't see them getting past the first round really cuz like Mark before you, yeah before you continue like me and you and I have, first of all were 
weren't even optimistic they'd get in. So what would make us optimistic they would go far, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah, because they're just making so many mistakes that yeah might not matter that much now, but in the postseason, I don't, I don't see them getting away with those kind of mistakes. I think the postseason is the time when. Um, you you pay for the mistakes that you make. You know, in the regular season, if you lose a game because, I don't know, uh, Danny Jansen doesn't catch the ball at the plate and it gets away from him, like, whatever, it's just one game. In the postseason, when you have, I think the first series in the postseason is three games this year, um, just with how the seating works out in the expanded postseason. If you lose one game, you're kind of screwed. you got to win two in a row to win that series. So... Um, yeah, I, I just don't see it happening. I, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, um, given, you know, the, the team that we know the Blue Jays are, um, despite how optimistic we can be about them at some points, um, I just don't see it happening this year, but, um, I guess we're all in agreement there, so not much to talk about, but another thing we wanted to talk about this week was Charlie Montoyo, um, John Heyman, for some bizarre reason tweeted um earlier this week that the two contenders for uh, manager of the year the two uh, uh guys most prominent in the conversation right now are one of them being charlie montoyo and i i mean this just blew my mind i know john Heyman. sometimes it's not the smartest when it comes to um punditry i guess baseball punditry um, but this was another level of stupid, in my opinion. I, I can't believe that he tweeted this. I, <laughs> I can't get over how stupid it is. I mean, sure, the Blue Jays have been surprisingly good this year. You know, they've won the most games in baseball since August 17th. They've been one of the best teams in baseball um, through the month of August and the, the month of September so far. But that's not because of Charlie Montoyo. Like, we didn't expect the Blue Jays to be this good, but we can't place all the success on Charlie Montoyo. I mean, if anything, we place the Blue Jays' failures on Charlie Montoyo, and the reason why the Blue Jays aren't five or ten wins better right now is because of Charlie Montoyo. Um, Yeah, this tweet from John Heyman just, it blew my mind how stupid it was. Um, I, yeah, I I don't see Charlie Montoyo in this conversation at all. Um, I think he's very poor at managing this year. Um, I know we've talked about this before, but a lot of the mistakes that he's made have cost the Blue Jays wins. So I have no idea where this tweet is coming from, from John Heyman. Yeah. One of the things that was interesting in that tweet is he said that the Blue Jays went from a very bad team to last year to a very good team. And that's because of their manager. And I just, I don't see the correlation to put it bluntly. It just, the Blue Jays back in 2014, they were you know, they missed the playoffs in the 2015. Obviously, they were really good. That wasn't just simply because John Gibbons suddenly got a PhD in managerial, uh, man or anything like that. It's just he, he was, you know, he wasn't bad, but the Blue Jays were a good team because of their players. And Charlie, I, I do like him. I think he's been okay. Like, not, not the greatest. He's been okay. Um, I think a lot of the earlier mistakes that happened in the season were because of, him mismanaging things and like you said Mark they easily could be five or ten wins better and I've said that so much the 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 fact that the Blue Jays have you know made so many screw-ups on the field and even in the bench or in in the dugout is you know concerning but it's just it's not Charlie Montoyo's uh 
I don't, I don't know if fault is the best word, but it's not his within his control entirely how good the players are. I mean, yeah, he can put guys in, but, you know, at the end of the day, Teoscar Hernandez is not, you know, he's not doing as well as, as he is. He's not among the league leaders in home runs simply because Charlie Montoyo told him to do that. He did that because he's a good player. And, you know, Charlie Montoyo is not the guy that, the guy that'll throw six scoreless innings. It's, you know, it's your pitchers. And like I said, he's been okay. That, that's really the only way I can put it. But to, to say that he's been better than every other American League manager is just kind of confusing, to say the least. Yeah, and the one thing that um, makes me laugh about it is, Mark, the first person I thought of when I saw that tweet was you. And it's funny because not even two minutes later, you sent the tweet in our um, our group chat. And right away, I started laughing because I knew that this was going to bother you the most. And I think it's safe to say out of us three that you're the one that's, you know, the more skeptical about Charlie Montoyo. And yeah, like, obviously, he's, you know, I guess you can, you got, you got to give him, I guess, some credit, maybe, like, at least for, I guess, the team succeeding at you know, they are, they are they are above 500, they are in a playoff spot, they are second, they are better than the Yankees right now. But there has been multiple um, situations this year where he has lost the game. And we're going, and you know, we can go all the way back to the first series in Tampa with the bullpen miscues, you know, Shuni Yamaguchi pitching in a late game situation when he's a long inning guy. And, you know, that's kind of been fixed now. But when you go back to the first week, there was multiple, um, multiple situations where Montoyo made some questionable moves. And the one thing that he takes a lot of heat for now is the pitching, uh, the innings limits, the, you know, maybe he's overthinking it too much. And, um, you know, I'll go back to the start a few weeks ago or last week with Chase Anderson when they he was pretty much dominating the Orioles through four or five innings. And um, maybe it was even six. I don't, I don't know. It, the point is he was dominating them and he was pulled out of the game after it was like 80-something pitches. And um, right after the bullpen got in the game, the Orioles started hitting. That's the one thing that bothers me about Charlie Montoyo. And, you know, coming from a young guy in myself, it's it's weird for me to be old school and say that, you know, pitch until you're tired or pitch until you're flat out struggling. And maybe that's MLB The Show's problem. Maybe that's their fault because that's literally how I pitch. I'm not watching um, a pitch count. I'm not doing an opener. I pitch until the stamina, the stamina bars says he's, he's out of energy. Or if he's just flat out getting uh, lit up. So maybe MLB the show's at fault for my reasoning. But that's really how I feel too. I think that Charlie Montoyo overthinks too much. And I think um, it's kind of obvious based on some of the decisions he's made. Uh, and starting pitching has to be one of them. And then I don't know if... I don't really know how much we want to blame him for a lot of the miscues that's happened this year with uh, the base running. And um, it's just... It's hard to give him so much credit for it. But you don't want to completely hate on him for it. But to be manager of the year, it, it definitely is a bit of a stretch. And the one thing that it shows is that John Haben himself is just saying that based off of the standings and based off of um, the expectations that the Jays had coming into a full season in 2020. And that was a team that would not be competitive. And that was a team that would not be competitive either in a 60-game season where nobody really thought that they would be in this position. And that's just Charlie. Uh, that's just John Heyman looking at that and it's pretty clear to say, too, that he hasn't watched a lot of Jays games, if any. I wouldn't be surprised if he's watched one Jays game other than maybe highlights. Like, it's it's you can tell who watches and who doesn't. And, you know, there was lots of replies, too, in that thread of Jays fans saying, you know, I'm a Jays fan myself, but to give Charlie Montoyo so much credit for the team's success seems a little bit far-fetched. 
And Mark, I know that it bothers you the most out of us three. So yeah, you know, manager of the year, I think we might be, it's definitely jumping the gun. And I think the we got to pump the brakes a bit, but you know, he, he does deserve some credit for it, but he's not the reason why they're so good this year. And he's not, he should not be considered uh, for manager of the year, even though I, I do like him in the clubhouse with the young players. It's sometimes the managerial decisions um, that can bother us. And you know, that we notice and early on in the season, there were some decisions that arguably lost the game for the team. I guess if we're looking at this more rationally, we can't blame him for everything, and we do have to give him some credit for the success of the Blue Jays, like you said, Bryson. But at the same time, man, oh man, John Heyman, <laughs> it's so stupid. Like, it's unbelievably, I can't get over it. I'm, I'm just going to read his tweet, because for anyone listening who maybe didn't see this idiotic tweet, um, just so you can get a picture of, of what it looks like. He said, quote, managers of the years... Again, Heyman with the typos in his tweet. Managers of the years to this point are obvious. Has to be Charlie Montoyo and Don Mattingly. And then another typo. Montoya's Jays lost 95 last year, don't have their home, and have serious injuries. And then Mattingly's Marlins lost 105 last year, lost 18 players due to COVID. Both teams are in a playoff position. He's just ignoring so much in that tweet. Like... Uh, I don't understand it, Bryson. You said it. He's just looking at the standings. He's obviously not following what's happening with the Blue Jays. He doesn't understand this team and their situation and, you know, the success that we've seen from some of these guys. Um, And he's just looking at the numbers. He's looking at the standings and saying, oh, yeah, it's Charlie Montoyo, even though we know it isn't. I think if if we're placing the success of this season on anything, it has to be, A, Dante Bichette, who came in here, turned around the Blue Jays hitting, and they are incredible. I mean, you hear Bichette talk about the approach that he's teaching to hitters, um, the mindset kind of that he's teaching to hitters. I think the dynamic now between Guillermo Martinez and Dante Bichette is Martinez is kind of um, covering the, the physical aspect of hitting, you know, the mechanics, and Bichette, I would guess, is more of the mental side, you know, the mindset, the the bat path, the approach, um, and I think Dante Bichette has to take credit for a lot of the Blue Jays' success this year. Um, he has been so, so good as a hitting coach. It's unbelievable, the effect that he's had. And another guy, Pete Walker. I know he's been with the Blue Jays for years, but his approach this year seems to have had success. I mean, the Blue Jays' pitching has been um, really, really good. It's been a pleasant surprise of this season. Everyone knew that the hitting would be a strength. No one thought the pitching would be a strength. And I mean, so far, I think credit for that has to go to Pete Walker. Um, and as much as we might hate on it, I think some of the decisions that Montoyo has made are because of the high performance department. Um, I, I think it was Andrew Stoden on Twitter who referred to the high performance department as just kind of a black box of decision making. You know, we don't know where some of these decisions are coming from. You know, taking Tanner Rourke out of the game um, after, whatever, four innings, 68 pitches, I think it was, um, and not sending him out there for the third time through the order, I think these decisions are coming from the high-performance department. I think it's a concerted and conscious decision by the front office for the Blue Jays to say, hey, we're not going to roll pitchers out there for the third time through the order. Um, so I think a lot of these decisions that we can criticize Montoyo for come from the high performance department. And yeah, maybe they are smart decisions, 
But at the same time, the very fact that we're considering whether Montoyo is actually any good means that he's not good. Like, he's not good enough to win Manager of the Year. It's just, I, I don't understand it. I, I don't understand John Heyman here. Yeah, and, you know, to say the least about the pitching of, you know, the the expectation that they were actually going to succeed, especially the bullpen, too, with the, the names they had to start the year and Ken Giles being out for pretty much half of a 60-game season. But, yeah, and if you want to refer back to the starting pitching, and that that's the thing in particular what gets pretty much me, and it goes to the starting pitching's decisions. It's not really about the pitch count. There is an obsession that he has, and it's clear because we've seen it so many times pretty much with every start with the third time through the order. There is an obsession, and I, I just I don't understand if a pitcher is doing good against a team. And I could, this is the exact same thing that happened to Chase Anderson. I'll, I'll, I'll loop back to it again because that's what happened. He was pulled out of the game after 80-something pitches, and it was the third time through the order that he was pulled out of the game. And then, of course, Tanner Roark a few days ago, the same thing. For some reason, he is so afraid to send a pitcher out or so against it for a third time through the order. I just, I don't understand if you've never tried it or if you've never seen any, you know, signs of fatigue or signs of struggling beforehand, you know, why ruin it? Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I just, that's the one thing I disagree with him on. But then the other thing, too, with Tanner Roark is, it's not like he's been pitching good this season. Tanner Roark has struggled mightily. Uh, if you've looked at his numbers through, what what is it, pretty much six starts now? Uh, so that's the one thing where, you know, do you feel comfortable sending Roark back out for a sixth inning? Or, sorry, a fifth inning in that case. He, he, he did, you know, he didn't have the best line to begin with. And um, that's, I just, uh, I don't know how I feel about it because, you know, in that in that situation, Rourke, you know, let's let's go through his line. Four innings pitched, two hits, two earned runs, three walks, three strikeouts. So he wasn't pitching, he wasn't sharp, but it's not like he was horrible. And maybe the fact that he has a 560 ERA and a whip of 1.73 don't help. But you can also argue against, or you can actually, you can use those numbers to support Roark's point because he's the one that called himself or made the comparison to a diesel truck where it takes him a while to get going. So pretty much what he's saying is by the time he's pulled out of the game, he's already got, he's already starting to feel it. And that is where his time is cut short. And maybe that's why the stats are inflated. Maybe if he's pitching deeper, maybe his stats would be more reasonable. But again, that's just modern day baseball. And I think we're going to start seeing it across the league. But to say the least this season, Charlie Montoya has been over excessive and there's an obsession with a third time through the order and not sending a pitcher out for it, which I, I don't understand. Even Hunjin Ryu, he doesn't pitch a lot either. I know he does pitch. I know his pitch counts have been high at times this season through four or five innings, but you know, I, I was expecting to see him pitch a little bit deeper into ball games. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I kind of had that expectation that he would be almost like a workhorse, but I know he has, I know maybe the injury prone factor, the injury fear factor, because he has been injured a lot in his career. Maybe that's, one thing where the Jays want to be cautious, especially in a season of 60 games, and especially in a season where pretty much, you know, the bulk of the team has somewhat hit the injury list at some point this season. So maybe that's one of the reasons why. But the third time through the order, um, it, it bothers me. I just, I don't, I don't understand it. But uh, it's something that I can't really, you know, it's just something that we have to accept because it's not going to change. He's done it for all season. He did it at points last year, and it's just something that I think we're going to continue to see more out of the rest of the game, unfortunately, but it's something I do not agree with. Yeah, I, it's such a weird thing because statistically a lot of guys, you know, are not as good when they face 
a, a lineup for the third time. And I do understand why Charlie Montoya is a little bit hesitant to do that. Although, at the same time, if somebody's pitching well, I don't know why you're going to say, oh, well, he's faced this guy already twice. He, he has to get out. It's just, I, I don't really agree with that mentality. And the, the thing that I kind of felt bad for Tanner Rourke is, is that, yeah, he, I think he was, you know, it definitely was one of his better starts uh, that where he was pulled after 68 pitches. But I think the problem with that one was the fact that he has not had a good season and Charlie Montoyo saying, well, you know, you've already allowed two earned runs. You're about to face the lineup for a third time. Statistics are saying that you should not pitch through the lineup again. So I, I do kind of understand that. But at the same time, you know, you have starting pitchers for a reason. You know, they're stretched out and intended to go longer for a reason. And the reason why one of the reasons why the bullpen has been so overworked is because of this. And these they're having to take over four or five innings a game, and it's just it's not working. And I think the one thing you brought up with Hunjin Ryu is interesting is the the fact that they're being really cautious with him about his pitch counts. You know, they have been inflated throughout the fifth and sixth innings. Uh, he has had some injuries in the past, but they're paying this guy twenty million dollars to pitch. You know, I would expect him to pitch deeper into games if the pitch counts high then I understand it but if he's doing well and it's like the fifth or the sixth inning I don't understand why they can't keep him in because you're just looking at the money standpoint you know you're spending a lot of money on a guy you expect him to pitch a lot longer and I remember I had a conversation with somebody back when David Price was acquired and they said to me how long do you think he's going to pitch today back when he was making his debut and I said oh probably six innings and they said to me well they acquired an ace. They expect this guy to pitch like a pitch as deep as an ace would pitch, and I I agree with that. And I think you know your best guys when they're doing if they're not doing well, yeah, take them out. If their pitch counts high, you know, watch them a little closer. But if a starting pitcher is doing well, I don't know why you don't ride the hot hand, especially with all of the uncertainties with the injuries and the overworking. But yeah, it's just. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I think here's I'll... the here's the other thing, Jacob. Too is even if it's a high pitch count, and it what if what if there's no signs of fatigue? Like I just you you know what I mean? Like it's something that you have to see with your eyes, and it's something that you know if you see it, then do something. But if even if someone's at ninety five, a hundred pitches, and they're still throwing, you know, ninety five or like or their average speed, why take them out? But of course, the one thing that will everyone will argue with with me, and I'm sure you guys all probably thought about it right away is the sport science and how it's not good for the arms. And that's just the way it is. It's a lot of computers now, which is true. But the one thing you have to know from this team is you are, you are going to get, you know, if lucky and if all goes according to plan, the max you'll get out of any Blue Jays pitcher is six innings. And then the rest of the way will be the bullpen. And that's something that we have to come to terms with. And that's six innings if we're lucky. Usually it's five innings. And sometimes we've seen four innings like we did a few days ago. But if everything goes to plan, the max you'll be seeing is six innings. So I whatever, but on yeah, I agree with the what you said about the computers, and it's just it's I I get it. You want you want to make calculated moves. You don't just want to throw a guy out there and say, eh, well, he's doing well. But at the same time, yeah, you kind of have to. You know, stats don't show literally everything. I mean, some people argue that they do, but sometimes a guy just has it that night. And like the New York Mets did last night, they just hit the ball hard. You know, no matter what the stats are going to tell you, and sometimes a pitcher even if he's not pitching or had a, 
a very good season or even a high pitch count or, you know, whatever the stats want to say, sometimes guys just are doing well and they got to keep them in, which is just not what Charlie Montoya has been doing. I think, Bryson, you said it perfectly. He's overthinking things. He's saying, okay, well, the stats are saying this, but... And then he just blanks. It's just, okay, I don't know what to do. And then he just goes by what the stats are saying. And it's just, that's just... It's not going to work. Eventually, you have to trust your guys. And like I said with Tanner Work, I get his frustration, although... I think I wouldn't have made it public how angry I was just because people are saying to him on social media, well, you have a close to a six ERA, so stop complaining and pitch better. But at the same time, you know, sometimes you just got to let guys go out and see what they got. I don't know how much of this is Charlie Montoyo and how much of it, like I said, is a high performance department or, you know, maybe Ross Atkins or maybe it's Pete Walker. And it's tough, as you said, Jacob, because the numbers do support it. Um, If you look at the numbers, first and second time through the order, the pitchers are far better than the third time through the order. But at the same time, like you guys have been saying, just use your eyes. Like, look out, see if you have Ryu lighting it up, not showing any signs of fatigue, giving up, you know, one run over six innings of work, throw him out there for another inning. I, I, I don't understand why it's that hard for the Blue Jays to do. And you know, if they do it and it bites them in the butt, okay, then you learned your mistake. But until you do it and see, okay, well, Ryu, third time through the order, we know that he can pitch third time through the order, or Ryu, third time through the order, we know that hitters are going to be picking up on his stuff. Until you see the results, I don't think you can make a determination one way or another what you should be doing. And it's a different conversation about Tanner Rourke complaining because, you know, he wasn't really so much complaining about Montoyo, as you said, Bryson, earlier. He was complaining about the state of baseball and how he doesn't like, you know, the way pitchers are managed in general. But, yeah, I I don't get why they are sticking with, you know, the theory on this. They're sticking with the abstract numbers and not, um, you know, trying it and, and seeing what works and seeing what sticks. Yeah. And, you know, if, a good example, too, is, of course, this, you know, just to even, like I said, the numbers show with the innings pitch drop, you know, it started dropping for him about three years ago or four years ago. So, again, it's nothing to do with Montoyo. It's just the frustration in him. And the one thing I wanted to ask you guys, and I, I honestly don't remember, but I feel like I feel like it it was it went this way. So I remember it was either 2015 or 2016. It was one of the years where Marco Estrada was here. And um, he was pitching like Mark, like he was pitching really good in those two years. And there was, they did stats on him where the first time through the order, he always struggled. But then as the, as he went through the second and the third order, he got better. And it, it actually turned out that through the third or third time through the order, he was better than the first time through the order. And I don't know if that's true or not. I just, I feel like there was something about that where they had stats about it or splits about it, where once he got deeper into the game as well, he started dominating more. And then that's where, you know, the theory around the game with Estrada was if you don't get to Estrada by the first time through the order, um, it's not looking good for you. I don't know if you guys remember that or if you guys can back me up on that. I just I feel like that's something I remember from a few years ago where he was actually better through the second and third time through the order than he was through the first time of the order. I I don't know the specific numbers, but I believe it. Like, yeah, I, I think the Blue Jays should go with a little bit more of their gut. I, I think they should realize that not every pitcher is the same. And some pitchers, exactly. like Tanner Rourke is arguing, are going to be better 
you know, the deeper they get into the game. We see some pitchers, um, velocity, you know, start out the game at, um, I, I don't know, I'm just going to throw numbers out there, 96, 97, and then they're going to work up if they're a flamethrowing starter, they're going to actually get better towards the end of the game. Justin Verlander is one of those guys who, you know, his velocity at the beginning of the game doesn't start out that well. His pitches at the start of the game aren't that good, but as he pitches deeper into the game, he actually gains strength. His arm loosens up. He, his fingers loosen up. He, he warms up and his pitches and his velocity is going to be better. So I, I think not every pitcher is the same. And you have to realize that the, the numbers on the whole might indicate one trend, but individual pitchers might show different trends. And one more thing is just, you know, if the Blue Jays were having off days, you know, every week, if they were, um, if their bullpen was very well rested, um, you know, if they had all these wonderful conditions to work off of, yeah, sure, pull the starter after four innings and go with the bullpen for the rest of the game. But that's not the case. They they don't have the luxury to be that stingy with their starting pitchers. Their bullpen is exhausted. Bryson, you said it earlier, it's running on fumes. Like, it is a, a miracle that we've gotten this far in this season without total disaster, aside from, you know, yesterday's game, 18-1. to 1. Um, and, and the fact that they keep pulling starters, even though you know that the bullpen is running on fumes, is... You know, it, it's running itself into the ground, basically. Um, it's, I, I don't get it. Yeah, there's there's no signs that I've gotten either that this is going to change. But it, it, it just proves, like you said, it's not the same with every single pitcher. Some people start good, and yeah, maybe as the game goes on, they struggle. But like I said with the Estrada example, I, rem- I, I remember this front and clear because there were spl- they did splits on it of how effective he was later in the games compared to the first inning. And that's just what I mean. And if Tanner Roark is going to compare himself to one of those player who, players who get better as the game goes on, maybe that's why his numbers are so inflated, because he doesn't pitch a lot, and by the time he gets going, he's already out of the game. So that's the one thing where you can support the argument from his side um, with his bad numbers. But it's you know I, it's just something it's not going to change obviously i think it's only going to get worse like i said and if Charlie montoyo's done it so many times in his two years here it's he's he's you know he's clearly sticking to the decision and he's not going to listen to anything else or any other opinions or thoughts of doing something else but you know obviously the bullpen pitching well as much as they've been on fumes you know that, that obviously tempts him i think they're top 3 in baseball with era or something like that so of course that's going to tempt him to use the bullpen even more, but you know you, you don't want to burn these players out, especially if you're heading into the playoffs. You, you really don't. And uh, I know Ken Giles is back, so it'll be interesting to see how they ease him back into play. But you know people, you know like people like Rafael Dallas and Anthony Bass, they are pitching a lot, and I know they have been pitching relatively well. But you know you, you there also is the fear factor that eventually the fatigue is going to catch up to them. But I just, I, I don't know where it goes from here because it can happen at any time. Maybe we get lucky and maybe it never happens. But it's just something to get used to in terms of modern day baseball and, you know, not pitching deep into games. And Charlie Montoyo's philosophy of never send a pitcher out for the thir- through the third time of the order because, you know, for obvious reasons that, you know, analytic- analytics are telling him. So uh, it is what it is. I, yeah, I think the biggest problem with the uh, not sending guys out to the, throughout the third time of the order, I, I don't know, is probably because of criticism that Charlie Montoyo may face. And I think, Mark, you said it a little bit earlier, where 
if say Ryu or pitcher X, any pitcher goes into the into the sixth or the seventh inning, faces the lineup for the third time, and then gets rocked, I think there probably will be some people that destroy Charlie Montoyo and say, oh, you, you, why didn't you take him out? You should have taken him out. How dare you let him do this? And I don't think that's a fair criticism. I think you, you, you have to do this. You you have to keep guys in, keep them while they're, work, or they're doing well. And if that happens, if they go for the third time and they struggle, okay, you learned your lesson or not even learn your lesson. You just, you had a bad experience just because, you know, Ryu gets rocked throughout the seven, uh, the third time through the order doesn't mean that Taiwan Walker is going to have that, you know, it, it, it can vary, but at the same time, you know, they're, they're kind of being way too cautious with this. And sometimes you just got to get to let guys pitch. And it's just, it's, it's frustrating to see guys do so well or, you know, even not even, you know, be outstanding, just do their job at, at the level that we expected them to. And they just, they're like, okay, well, you're out. Well, that's not sustainable. And I've said that a million times throughout the last month. It, it, it is not sustainable to say to your bullpen, okay, take a, take a, take control of four or five game, innings per game, which is you know close to half of the game. And the last thing you want in the playoffs is to say, oh, Ken Giles is out again, or Jordan Romano just comes back from injury and something happens, or Anthony Bass, or Shun Yamaguchi, Rafael Dolis. You know, the last thing you want is to hear, okay, well they they can't pitch now because they 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 pitch too much in a regular season. It's just it's not it's not going to work. Yeah, Mark. Before you wrap things up, um, I wanted to get your thought, everyone's thoughts quickly. I, it wasn't in one of the topics, but um, you know, I just wanted to get your opinion because it is the Yankees. What what are your thoughts on the complaints about Salem Field? Oh my God! It's shut up. You know, <laughs> so many other teams have played at Salem Field. They have not said a word. Um, but somehow, after you give up 10 runs in one inning, you say, A, the Blue Jays know what's coming, or the Whites are screwed up. Like, shut up. <laughs> we, it's funny, because we were, they weren't saying anything when it was 6-2. And, um, exactly. And here's the other thing. Like, what do you expect? Like, you, like it's the Jays don't want to play there either. We know the whole situation where they try to get in, to play in Pittsburgh and Baltimore, and they just... Pretty much when Baltimore came up, they just said, forget it. They don't want to waste too much time. It's not like the Jays want to be there. And um, it's a AAA facility that was renovated within two, three weeks' time. But yeah, just a silly disaster. Or sorry, a silly statement. And of course, it had to be from the Yankees, which is even more comical. But I just wanted to get your quick thoughts about that. The Yankees honestly make it a little bit funnier because if I were to pick a team, I would probably say the Yankees would complain. And I mean, look at the Blue Jays. They allowed 10 runs in what was it, the fourth inning yesterday against the Mets, and I'm still awaiting Charlie Montoyo's uh, statement about how the lights are bad, and it's just, that, that's not going to happen, you know, you, if you, if you, if you don't play well, well, I have a feeling that the lights are not going to be, you know, the biggest concern if, if you, if you allow a lot of runs, pitch better, if you don't like that, well, then, I don't know, you can give the Blue Jays second place and forfeit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, okay, well, it's been fun talking about how much the Yankees suck and how much John Heyman sucks, but I think we're out of time for today, so thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. As always, you can rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can stay up to date with everything we're doing by following us on social media at Section138Pod. It's on Instagram and Twitter. Um, other than that, stay safe, and we'll catch you next week.